Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to Secret Artists, the podcast where funny people do art and have a chat. What's not to like? That's a rhetorical question, so don't you dare think about answering it. I'm your host, Annie McGrath, and this week my guest is the fantastic comedian Bella Hull. We had a very nice time chatting about various artists, including Jenny Savile, Jenny Holzer, Tracy Emin, and lots more. If you want to see mine and Bella's artworks, then remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Secret Art Pod. See you on the other side. Bella Hull is an exciting young comedian who recently made her television debut on BBC's Stand Up for Live Comedy. She has performed at the Utrecht International Comedy Festival and her writing has been featured on BBC Radio 4's Newsjack. A former member of the Cambridge Footlights, Bella began finding success on the competition circuit, winning the Yellow Comedy Young Comedian of the Year in 2019. Bella co-hosts the podcast Last Night Out with Jacob Hawley, but today she's on Secret Artists, and what Ooh, an honour it is. Thanks Hello. so much for having me, Annie. Thanks for coming and for putting up with my pre-record stress. It, of, was, um, it was only delightful. Yeah, for the listener, I got caught in a rainstorm yesterday, and um, my laptop now has a very sort of marble effect on the... Oh, wow. A very marble effect. That's <laughs> that lovely. A, a bit Gerhard Richter. Oh, yeah, very Gerhard Richter. Big mm-hmm. fan of his work, actually. So <laughs> glad that my laptop is... Uh, emulating that. Emulating it, exactly. Yeah. Um, when things happen like that in life, it's good to just call it call it Gerhard Richter and move on. Yeah, I guess Instead I'm a true artist mm. when I apply that sort of effect to all my... Um, technological (laughs) devices um so thanks for coming and you've chosen well i'll let you talk us through your muse i've chosen um a really nice well not really nice i can't qualify my own possessions a silk scarf that i think it's really nice for a while but like i it's quite an aspirational object to me because i never really feel like I can wear it. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those things that you buy thinking, maybe I'll be that person. Right. And then... Do you know um, what? I've got a few silk scarves like that and I've never worn them. Yeah, I think I want to be that person. But is that person pretentious? I don't know. It's quite hard. I went through a phase of like trying to wear one in my hair when I was at uni. Yeah. And I still don't think I got away with it. Would you wear it up in a band around your head or like in a bun? Um, Both, actually. Wow. Yeah, but... They slip off as well, don't they? If you have wow, them around your neck, silk. and it's they're very so thin. silky, you mm. feel a bit like a sort of French teacher. If you, you do. Wear a silk scarf. I think it just takes a lot of a bit like wearing a hat. It just takes a lot of confidence. Yeah, but I've got that. I thought that would be an interesting kind of texture to try and emulate, and it's got lots of splodges and kind of abstract. 
It's beautiful. Suggestions on it. Where did you get it from? I got it from a sort of national trust gift shop. Love it. (laughs) That I went to with my boyfriend's family. And I think they were like, why is she buying that? Where were you visiting? Which was a stately home or something? I can't remember. It was in the north of England. Mm -hmm. That's about as far as it goes. That narrows it down. Yeah, it was in the north of England somewhere. And it was lovely. It was a lovely place. And um, yeah, I bought this scarf thinking that I would be that person. But I haven't turned out to be that person. And I've also got a couple of rings, um, which I thought would be an interesting variety of texture. So I've got um, that silver ring, which is like a spoon Mm. that's been welded into a ring. And, oh, cool. Um, I I'm going to yeah. move it because let's have a look. I like the, the way that the texture oh, was on the hand. Oh, cool. What, so it was like a teaspoon? Yeah, it was a teaspoon and it's been like welded. That's very cool. And me and my mum have matching ones. She got a fork. She, she has she does have a fork. Really? Yeah, <gasps> she does have a fork. Love and that. all of the prongs of the fork have been like twisted out in weird directions and oh, she wears cool. it as a bangle. That's really cool. And then I've got my lips ring, which is like one of my favourite uh, things that I own. Yeah, that's like the Dali. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's very glossy. And in yeah. fact, my friend has this. I think she has it in purple. What's really? the um, it's a design? Hot lips by Solange, I think. Yeah, very cool. Um, so yeah, I wear that all the time, and it makes me feel good. Great. Wearing it. A, yeah. a nice selection of colours. We've got the metallic, silver, the bright red, glossy lips, and then the silk scarf, which is more sort of blacks and browns and blues. Mm. Autumn. Yeah, autumnal very colours. autumnal. Mm. And are you thinking you're going to focus on doing everything, like as a sort of still life composition, or just pick out an object? Yeah, I think I'll start with the scarf is probably really tricky to get all the folds and stuff. Mm. But that might be quite fun to kind of try and do shadows and lights. Yeah, and nice stuff. little challenge. Yeah, and then I'll do the I might do the rings after I've done that. Yeah. I don't know. Um It'll well help yourself like to some mess. paint. Thanks um, very much. We've got just a selection of acrylics here. Annoyingly I didn't bring any pencils, so I hope you're okay with going straight. Just go straight on in the palette. That's really exciting. I've chosen to wear a white t shirt, which was so probably I, a bit actually. of an error. My yeah. t shirt has the Loch Ness monster on it and it's wearing sunglasses. Of course. Did you buy that at the Edinburgh Festival? I did. I bought it on the street. <laughs> Very good. And how was Edinburgh, you're just back from doing your yeah, debut show. I'm just back from doing my debut show. It was really good. Yeah, it was very um, like the. Sh- I think actually being on stage every day was my favourite part of the day, which I think is probably a good sign. Yeah, that long term. Like I, I definitely really enjoyed feeling like I was getting better, and I enjoyed doing my show. And, and but at the, the same time, baby cakes. Yes, it is called baby cakes. Um, but at the same time, like I. I feel quite ready to let it go now and move on to the next thing. Um, that sounds positive and yeah. healthy. Um, what was the premise of the show, if that's not too annoying a question? It was kind of just, to be honest, I think that was actually what I found really challenging was the fact that it was my debut show and I've been doing I've been doing stand-up on and off for like six years. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I had loads of really good bits that I had to like hodgepodge together and make into a show. Um, and so the whole thing was kind of about me and my, as a child, like the visions I had for myself as an adult mm-hmm. um, and like how I've always tried to make those visions come true, but how I kind of realised that they were all based on uh, stupid movies and 
uh, like unrealistic things that actually mm-hmm. don't really make sense. What um, sort of movies? Like The Princess Diaries. Oh, that was yeah. a big fixation of mine. Um, and like other people's mums at school that I would idolise because they had, you know, like nice cars and sunglasses and kitchen islands. And I just thought like, <laughs> that's that's what I that's want. That's the end goal. Um, and how, and like kind of negotiating that alongside the things that I've learned about myself as an adult so yeah that was kind of what the show was about mm-hmm. it was kind of funnier than that I kind of described <laughs> yeah, it in I'm, a way that makes I it sound hate, like um, it's a describing comedy shows it always I makes know them sound. And, and then I hate describing them seriously but I also hate describing them when you're trying to pitch it in a fun way because then you just sound like you're trying to be funny yeah and that does make me want to pass away um <laughs> please don't Oh, thanks. That's so nice. Um, but yeah. And where were you doing your show? I was what at Pleasant's at? Courtyard. I was in Bunker 2. Lovely. Um, I think was... I did one of the bunkers in my first Oh, really? Show. Yeah. Bunker. When was that? That was 2016, I think. Mm. Yeah. That was the year that I started doing comedy. As, at the footlo- as the Footlights? No, I started a little bit before then when I was in sixth form. Oh, wow. Doing like, oh my God, it makes me so <laughs> cringe so hard thinking about the kind of things that I did. But I did like open mics and stuff around London. Yeah. Um, and I had like a fake ID that I would like show to like get me into these pubs because otherwise <gasps> I wouldn't so have been cool. allowed to go in. Um, and I was absolutely horrendously bad. Like I describe it now and it sounds quite romantic, but it so wasn't. It was just <laughs> me like turning up and everyone being like, who is this strange did you look child. underage? Because you I look quite so, young now, yeah. so I imagine you... Yeah, yeah. I was I was a bit chubbier back then, and I was, like, had glasses, and I was very much in a, a nerdy... A nerdy phase. Nerdy phase. So I kind of... I very much looked nerdy, and I did lots of jokes about nerdiness and my weight. That was, like, my first kind of jokes that I did, and then I, like, gradually lost weight, and then it was, like, one of those really weird, affirming times when... I did the same set that I was normally doing yeah. and people were not finding it funny. And I was like, oh, I think I'm like thin enough now that, um, <laughs> that you did I it? look like a bitch. Do you know what I mean? Like I, and that was like me realising that like my body had changed. Wow. Was the like different reactions that I was starting to get. So did you have to start doing like thin material? <laughs> <laughs> I had to start doing like mid-sized girl routines. Yeah. <laughs> So when you were at school doing sneaking into stand up yeah. clubs, did you tell your friends or were you doing no, it? No, but the there was a horrifying moment when the like cool group at school found out that I was oh, doing no. stand up and I could see that they were all sending each other this YouTube video in the common room. Oh. And it made me feel so like upset and because I was very embarrassed because I don't I didn't think I it's quite like when you first start doing stand up, I think it's quite gut wrenching to have to admit to people that you're giving something yeah. do you know what I mean to be it's, honest I still find it quite yeah to be like you know to tell people oh I'm a comedian it kind yeah. of is inherently saying I think I'm funny and that's there's something in that that is and you can sense their surprise if you've just had oh. like quite a frank or boring conversation yeah yeah like, you really can you're what exactly they're like oh you exactly exactly I've had so many of those conversations and it's so it's really difficult to yeah, because you don't want to like leap into every room. 
<laughs> no, it, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. So <laughs> it's a shameful career. Um, oh, completely. I don't really know what I'm doing with this. I'm sort of just starting with lots of splodges. Yeah, I've just... I'm getting the impression of the scarf. I've sort of done the lips, but very small. <laughs> just a white page with some very tiny lips. Well, bigger than the ring, but almost exactly oh the they're lovely you've got a real gloss there as well yeah trying to get that nice gloss the effect they're good lips actually yeah i like them very much i'm a big ring wearer are you i wish i was but um i always find stuff on my hands annoying i kind of tell myself that it's important as a stand-up comedian or as like a lady to have to have jewelry to have jewelry or to at least have like nice hands like that's yeah. why i always just like oh i can make my manicures like tax deductible because i'm holding a microphone that's true i um need to get this shellac off my nails it's ruining my life you see how you've got a lovely like pillar box red it's pillar box red but it's the dregs and that <laughs> one is just like a tiny fingernail shape it's horrible you know when it starts coming off naturally and then oh, you're like God. oh can i pick it or do i have to pay 10 pounds to get it taken off i over lockdown because i've always been like i really wanted so i nearly did an art foundation when i was mm-hmm. um i ended up doing history of art at uni which was kind of a compromise yes. between um me doing something like properly artistic and me doing an essay subject mm-hmm. but um thanks I, for bringing the podcast back to art by the way. <laughs> I was meaning to do that um but my mum always said that I should have she's very a very like fusion follow your dream sort of mum well, that's good and uh she really thought that I was good at like I was obsessed with nail art and mm. I had my own nail art blog and stuff when I was like wow. a teenager and I was obsessed with it and so um, during lockdown, it's still kind of an interest of mine. During lockdown, I ordered like my own gel lamp and um, like nail drill and selection of colours and like paintbrushes and stuff to use for my nails. And uh, I used the nail drill so thoroughly on my nails that it absolutely wrecked my nail beds. And I don't know what a nail drill is. So you know when you're getting it taken off and they kind yeah. of go oh, with yeah, that file yeah. that like spins really fast. Yeah. Turns out if you use that, it will just remove your whole nail <gasps> if you keep going. Oh and my so God. I was not realising that I was giving my nails like repeated <laughs> battery and assault like once a week. Oh, wow. Um, I thought you meant it was like a drill and it, you make holes in your, in your nails. nails. <laughs> I don't think I want that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, it got to a point where my nails were so damaged that the white of your nail that's normally meant to be like a little line at the top was the entirety of all of my nails. And you could look underneath my fingernails and there would just be a gap. And that was really, that was a bad moment for me. So Um, do you always do your own nails now? um, Sometimes, unless my, I have an Australian housemate who is very into nails and getting them done. Mm. And sometimes I'll just go with her and get them done if I want like an a long nail or a fancy nail or mm. if I want to just like feel. Have you ever had the chrome effect? I have had the chrome effect. I, I love that. I love the chrome effect. You feel like a mermaid. Yeah, I had like a sort of beetle kind of petrol chrome effect once. Mm. Um, and actually for fringe I had um, like I had like pale blue chrome with little pearls Oh, on the lovely. ends of my nails and I felt and did the reviews notice it um I think I got quite get some industry attention I for get, the nails I, I started getting called um brattish oh wow 
good way. I got called bratish and princessy in one of my reviews, oh, which God. I thought was um, quite fantastic. You studied history of art. Is that did I you did. decide to go to Cambridge because you wanted to be in the footlights, or was yes. that yes, yeah, that was that was completely the decision. Great um, that you got got in then. I know it is great that I got in, but I, and the footlights. I'm not very. Um, people don't believe me when I say that I'm not very clever, but it's really genuinely quite true. <laughs> I just tried so hard for like the exact necessary amount of time that I had to to get like the grades and everything um so what did you do for your a levels did art history of art history and english and then i dropped art for a2 and um yeah i uh i did really enjoy history of art i didn't like the old fuddy-duddy stuff Mm -hmm. i didn't like the um i found i found the renaissance really interesting but i found the people talking about the renaissance awful yeah i think anyone talking about art history can be they just look awful yeah um and so yeah that was that was hard but I really enjoyed it I love the contemporary things yeah that was what I was really into is that your favorite yeah that was my favorite stuff and I loved like abstract expressionism and I actually really liked all of the all of the bollocks do you know what I mean all of the Mm. like this is in dialogue with cubism because blah 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 like I, I quite I enjoyed did you get some good sort of token phrases that you can say loudly and yeah, games? exactly, or like this has a certain verisimilitude to it, like loads of phrases mm, that actually, nice. when you think about what they mean, they mean nothing at all. Yeah, um, but they're intimidating enough that no one. But would they're just a nice them. way to use your mouth. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was kind of that was me for a few years, and I did, I did like it. And do you think it's a valuable course? I know there's been lots of sort of discussion over the last five years or so about whether <laughs> art history should exist or I think I don't know to be honest I mean I think in terms of value like and what it not really like <laughs> the skills that you get are so ridiculous and obviously I'm a comedian and I a lot of my friends that did history of art are either lawyers now Oh, wow. Or I have one friend that works at Sotheby's, mm-hmm. but she's like the only one. And everyone wanted to work at Sotheby's kind of apart from me when I was like doing history of art. And she's the only one that sort of made it or at least pursued it enough. Um, I think there just aren't that many art historical jobs. And it's also like quite a fucked up system because you have to be, they pay so little yeah. that you basically have to have a boyfriend that works in finance. Otherwise, it's just <laughs> not viable. Um, and that kind of makes you into an even more terrible person than you were before. Um, yeah, it did seem, I was at Leeds and it seemed like most of the people that studied history of art were from quite, I mean, oh yeah, completely. hot kettle, but Because also you don't like, you know, like history of art A-level was something that my school offered, but that's only because it was like quite a posh school. Same with mine, actually. And it's so it was sort of a weird thing. This isn't going terribly, this painting. Yeah, I'm regretting. I've just started on the scarf and I'm not very good at detail. And I'm also terrible at using black paint. I try and avoid it. But for this, I you have to. I mean, it is ultimately a black scarf. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Help yourself to more paintbrushes, by the way. I've got a couple here that I'm oh. hogging. No, don't worry. I've got, I've got plenty. So um, who was in your... Um, your generation of the footlights was Leo Reich, one of yes, them? it was Leo Reich. It was Anya Magliano. Oh wow, um, vintage year of footlights. It was yeah, it was quite a good year. Yeah, those are like the only people that are doing. There are about ten of us, mm-hmm. and quite a few of them are like still doing comedy and stuff. Um, we're the only people that are like properly doing stand up now. Yeah, um, I think. But yeah, it was a it was a good year. I definitely felt while I was there though that I didn't have as much confidence as I have now, um, in terms of uh like creatively. I don't know, I think because I felt like I had gotten in on a sort of weird chance luck, I I didn't feel like all the other people had grown up with Monty Python and stuff and they were all doing very conceptual sketches and sketch comedy and I found that really I had no idea how to write that or even Mm -hmm. I didn't really even find it particularly funny and so I think my my like voice didn't really develop as a stand-up comedian until I left essentially well so it can be intimidating if you're not yeah it was super intimidating and like I wasn't from the same kind of background as they were or at least I didn't feel like I was and um yeah I felt very nervous at a lot of the meetings that we yeah. had um so so such an institution with yeah like over 200 years of of very comedy. successful comedians coming out of it um so yeah it was it was definitely a strange experience but I'm really grateful for it and like I, I'm only saying all these things because I was in it and that's like amazing that that kind of happened to me and it was it was definitely very good but I think it's one of those rite of passage things where like Leo is is humili- like we're all humiliated that we were in Furlight, you know. Like it's it's like an embarrassing past, but we all kind of had to. It was all our dream at one point, and so um, yeah. So why embarrassing? Just because of the just because it's and stupid and full of twats. Like I don't know. It just makes you look. Also, like I started doing. I I kind of feel like I when I found myself as a comedian was when I moved to London after I graduated and I started doing like three or four open mics a week mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's when I sort of developed my comedic voice and so I felt like I'd worked really hard um, to get an agent and stuff and then you know I think people hear that you're in footlights and they think oh okay it's all been like handed to you or you know your dad must be someone important or whatever mm-hmm. and and for me like that very much wasn't the case and I kind of felt like I'd I'd worked as hard as the London open mic comics had worked yeah. to be like in those competitions and whatever um and so it's hard not to engage with that 
obviously like it's useful in terms of like I I moved to London and I didn't have any performance anxiety or whatever else but at the same time um you still have to put in the effort and gig and yeah exactly like nothing's kind of a given I'm gonna start doing the lips now yeah I wish I'd just done the lips because this scarf is a nightmare chaos I know I think I should have picked some I should have picked like a bottle or something Mm, bottles are hard as well all those straight lines yeah that's very true actually and have you got any favorite artists i have so many favorite artists i really like uh jenny savile oh i love jenny savile that's sort of like my i think that's she's probably the original person that i saw and thought this is incredible and i can't stop staring at it and there's something about it that i find so beautiful that i can't even I can't even find the words to kind of speak about how I feel about it kind of thing. Mm. Um, and I don't, I didn't really get that with anything else before. Um, but I, I love the way she uses paint just so like beautifully applied. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so fine and yet also so rough and like there's something quite violent about it and, yeah. and the way in which she uses paint and um, yeah, she's just, She's incredibly skillful, mm-hmm. and there's something really like moving about her paintings as well. I don't know. I kind of had her, the portrait that she did of her daughter. I had that on my wall for like ten years, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I I really like her, and I like sort of. I was really into like early kind of Jackson Pollock mm. when I was at uni when he was doing all the kind of mythological, slightly Freudian stuff. Yeah, um, I was really into that. I. Uh, yeah, I like kind of figurative stuff, I suppose, that's very, um, like, mythological. Yeah. I don't know, I like kind of horoscopy stuff, and I feel like early Pollock was quite horoscopy. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you like um, Peter Doig? He does quite sort of figurative... I do, yeah, I do. Mystical. Yeah, and I like, yeah, I like kind of the, like, Lowry thing of... Mm of like a big crowd and moody stuff and I kind of feel though that I I left it all at uni like after I graduated I was so done with talking about it and thinking about it that I really just eschewed it and I didn't go to an art gallery for like a year after I graduated because I was just rebelling against uh my interests (laughs) yeah once you've studied something as well it can take the joy out of it yeah so i'm going to stand-up gigs now exactly yeah and And that's something i kind of struggled with in edinburgh was like i felt so stressed constantly Mm -hmm. um and i i really like wanted to go to shows but then i did you find do you find this that you can't like let go and really enjoy it because you can't turn off the pilot inside your head that's thinking like why is this funny and why do I like yeah. this so much and how, what what can I learn from this and like what's the structure of that and also it's yeah it becomes almost subconscious the second nature of being like okay they're setting that up that'll be a callback at the end of the show exactly and you can just yeah <laughs> completely that's that's completely how my brain see works. the mechanics of it um which I think can make you appreciate it more. Like when it's really, when a show is really well done, like Mm -hmm. you can, you, I love that. And I find it so much more impressive, I think, because I know how hard it is to write. Yeah. Especially Um, when something surprises you now. Yeah. Yeah. um, When something actually surprises you. So have you always done art, like drawing and painting alongside studying it? Because lots of people that do history of art, I find it quite strange. Never, 
never do yeah, art themselves. I, whereas but. I, yeah, that was never me really. I was always like super into drawing and painting. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, there were loads of people at, um, there's, yeah, there are a couple of people that I did history of art with that are now kind of artists who are working and they they went to art school afterwards. Oh, cool. And they commissioned paintings and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it's a weird it's a weird one I've always loved like sketching and drawing and stuff and I I did art a level and stuff at school Mm -hmm. um which I really enjoyed I'm not very good at it I'm not very like but I think I am I do enjoy visual stuff like I Mm -hmm. I don't really have the patience to do really good painting that's very fine but I that's what I really like about Jenny Savile's work is that it's kind of it is fine but it sort of tricks you into thinking that it's not it feels like you can see the process of how she's painted it. Mm, like mm. every brush stroke is so visceral. Yeah, and I think actually like if you have done art, then studying history of art is like so rewarding because you, I don't know, you can picture how things were made mm. and you have to like so much of it is just learning how things work and how bronze statues are made and stuff like that. And if you can picture it, then I think it just makes the whole thing a bit more rewarding for some yeah. reason do you do a lot of bronze statues now then yeah i do i do all the time i'm just doing constant bronze statues i've actually got a friend who does bronze statues really he's an amazing sculptor he was at leeds and i think he studied english but mm. he has sort of carved a niche making animal sculptures for very wealthy people. Wow. And he ended up doing a what, commission. Of their animals or of like... Yeah, of their animals. So lots of like horses and dogs. And he did a commission for Barack Obama. Oh my God. I know. Very cool. He's got an exhibition coming up in London, I think, soon. So That's Charlie Smith, look out for him. And Barack Obama, the president, he wasn't like... His dog wasn't named Barack yeah, Obama. Yeah, not his mate from uni. Yeah. <laughs> who happened to be called Barack Obama. <laughs> I never do this, but I'm painting in a white background because I started doing it around the lips and now I feel like it looks weird if I don't paint the whole thing white. Oh, I see. You're painting in white. Yeah, white on white, which I never do. I'm. This is a disaster, but it's maybe fine. It's part of the process, isn't it? Ruining it and then... Yeah, and then thinking, okay, maybe... Either making it better or just else. continuing to ruin it. Yeah, exactly part of my process anyway and do you own any art I used to own uh I lost it in a breakup about a year ago but I which I was devastated about but I I used to own a Jenny Holzer um do you know her she does like uh I don't know if I do she does these big like slogans that say things like save me from what I want and uh, they're like quite big pink anti-capitalist letters, I guess, but they're like very angry and they're very full of like female rage, I guess. Mm. And I had a little... Um, ironic, you lost it in the breakup. Yeah, I know, it was, was ironic. It in a fit of rage, did you throw it across the room? I, I think I just couldn't... I think I was moving out and I couldn't remember who bought what. Oh. Um, and I think he had bought it maybe... I think he'd maybe bought it for me as a gift, but it was also for us to have, like, as a investment in the future. And, like, I was just like, I'm not taking that. I feel too mean, so I left it. Um, and now you regret it, I can tell. 
Yeah, I'm just like, oh, I would actually really like that. Yeah. And I would always get complimented on by people and, like, that would make me feel really special. Aww. Um. So, yeah, it's a shame. Would you ever buy another one or is it too... I would buy another one. I really memory. want, like, I really love Tracy Emin. I'm one of those mm. people that loves Tracy Emin, even though a lot of people think that what she does, what she does is, like... I, I don't know, for some reason I've always really liked her and really gotten it. And um, she does lots of little prints and drawings and stuff and I'd love to I love her drawings yeah I love them too I think like they're so scribbly and special and sweet yeah I'm Um, less into her sort of conceptual stuff but as a drawer yeah yeah I think she's very good at um yeah I love her little sketches and stuff this is so a disaster look at that oh it's great not a disaster at all tell me about the podcast you do I do a podcast called last night out which is I can't tell you how different the vibe is. <laughs> um, so this doing this is so wonderful. It's with Jacob Hawley, um, who you know, I presume. I do, yeah. Um, and it's about if you were to go on like one last night out for the rest of your life, like what would it be, and what would what is the perfect night out basically for you, and why would it be your last kind of mm-hmm. thing? And so we go through, and it's been really fun. We've had loads of different guests. Um, and some of them have been very like party and club heavy, but a lot of them have been just very um, sweet and like saying, I don't know, it's just a really interesting way to get to know a, a comedian better, yeah. I think. And it's it's just a really nice way as well to open up onto anecdotes and stuff that they might have. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, if they're describing why something's their favourite thing ever, like, there's probably a reason why. And I find that really interesting. Um, and how did you meet Jacob? Was that just on the circuit? I met him, yeah, on the circuit. And we did, like, a... a do you ever have that where you sort of have, like, a random phase where every gig for, like, four months is with someone? Yeah. And then you never see them again. Like, it's just... We had, like, a weird phase like that where we were seeing each other all the time. And we get on, we get on really well. And he was, we had a couple of like really long um, drives uh, to different places, which I think is very bonding. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially a, if it's a bad gig. Especially if it's a bad gig. Um, and like he's a bit older than me and kind of a lot more experienced with gigging. Um, so yeah, he's sort of he. I find what he says about stand up very useful. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, and then he had this idea for the podcast and he thought of me, which was very kind of him. And we've just been having loads of fun with it really. And we come from very different places because he's obviously a massive sesh lord <laughs> and I am you know, I'm a one person member of the cozy club. <laughs> so like I'm just quite tea and toast. Yeah. And he's very I don't know coke and football and and yeah. tits um that's his actually no i shouldn't say that he's very much got a <laughs> girlfriend and a child but you know what i mean like he's one They're of the lads mutually exclusive though yeah very true he's he's one of the lads and um i i find that actually like where we go in the podcast is quite a sweet unusual connect connective place where like we both we find strange things that we have in common or um universalities about what human beings enjoy on nice evenings and yeah it's just been really fun 
Oh, good. And each guest like seems to bond with one of us more. Oh, and really? That's interesting. Like, we, I don't know. We've had so many guests that, like John Kearns, for example, like we were saying, me and John were saying things that were so on the same page as each other. Mm-hmm. And Jacob was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like Both cosy club. Yeah, very much cosy club. Um, I've I've completely lied on this painting. I don't think anything that is on my page is actually happening. Oh yeah, I've I'm now life. I've it's, stopped looking at the scarf and I'm yeah, just trying to Yeah, it's very dishonest, out. I think, this this work. Well, is it dishonest or is it just abstract? Wow, that's a big question. Thank you. <laughs> What's um, your like favorite type of art do you find? I guess magical realism mm. is a is a genre that I'm not sure I fully understand, but I love what I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> sort of very colourful, mystical paintings that are rooted in mm-hmm. reality. Yeah, I like that as well. Do you go to the National Portrait Gallery a lot? I feel like that's... Do they have lots of... I've not been for a while, actually. This is making me think I should start going to galleries again. My grandma used to get, buy me the a Tate Modern membership. And oh, great. And I think she got annoyed that I only went, like, twice a year. Yeah. Um, so she stopped paying for it, <laughs> which is fair enough. Actually, I have got RA membership, which oh, I got given nice. for my birthday. So, yeah, yeah, RA is wonderful. It is. They've got really nice. Where, what would you say is your favourite gallery in London? RA would be up there. I like the the V&A is just such a beautiful building. Mm. It feels very grand visiting there. I really like Tate Britain. Mm, yeah just because I've had so many nice I actually got brutally dumped in Tate Britain once I'm just remembering but that's that's not why I like it so much I like Tate Britain because I have had a couple of really nice times there that have been like just very cozy Mm. and like it's always rain I feel like it's always raining when I'm there and like I really like the Francis Bacon's and there's there's just that particular um time period of kind of 50s British post-war art that feels rightly or wrongly incredibly cosy and comforting to me mm-hmm. even though it's all like dismembered bodies I see it and I'm like oh how sweet um so yeah that's kind of it's not what I thought you were going to say when you said my favorite galleries <laughs> oh really Britain. well only because you followed it with yeah I had a brutal dumping and yeah had all these dismembered I just, bodies I just remembered I just I, but it says, Had you been to an exhibition? What, when I got dumped? Yeah. Um, yes, we went to an exhibition. We weren't, I mean, it wasn't really a boyfriend. It was just some guy that I was uh, dating. Mm. And we went to uh, an exhibition and then we sat in the cafe and he was just like, this is not working. And I also agreed. his decision? Maybe. And I also didn't really fancy him that much, but it was in one of those times where just getting dumped just feels a bit like an affront. And you're like, no, actually, you can't do that. Like, I'm, you're so lucky that I'm here with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, if you're not sure about it either, it's doubly annoying. So you're like, I could have done that. That That could have been me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. And good that it hasn't fully tainted you. No, but I think it's such praise on the Tate Britain. It is, yeah. I've just, I I clearly don't really care um, that I got dumped there. But actually, fun fact, the guy that dumped me there then um, desperately retracted his decision Mm. and started to stalk me. Is that a fun fact? Well, I don't know whether it was stalking, but he would just like wait outside 
my flat. <laughs> yeah, sounds like stalking. Yeah, like when he knew I was leaving and uh, he'd, I blocked him and everything and he started sending me emails. Oh, God. So that was cool. But that also made me feel like a winner, you know? What, because he wanted to get back together with you? <laughs> yeah. Oil or watercolour? Oil. Portrait or landscape? Portrait. Jacob's Crackers or Jacob Hawley? Jacob Hawley. Can you separate the art from the artist? Yes. Crazy night out or cosy night in? Cosy night in. Tortured artist or logical historian? Tortured artist. Talk about or think about art? Think about. Looking at a painting close up or far away? Close up. Private view or view of privates? View of privates. Jenny Savile or Jimmy Savile? Jenny Savile. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just thought of that. Painting from life, landscape or still life? Life. Art or music? Art. Art or books? Books. Comedy or art? <gasps> art. Ooh. Interesting. That's the end of the quick fire. Wow, that was really fun. I love a quick fire question. I find art is what I go to as like a therapeutic outlet yeah comedy is not an outlet for me anymore well it's hard when it becomes your job a job isn't it yeah but in times of like crisis i i'm never like oh i want to do a gig i'm like <laughs> oh i <laughs> like I, I would probably mm. go and paint and be like oh i that yeah and art like I'm a I'm an extremely emotional person to the extent that it's like kind of been a crisis that I've had to uh deal with a lot of times in my life mm. um because I just especially like things like fringe I just realized like I've got not enough coping mechanisms to deal with how emotional I find everything right and art is one of those things that like if I'm high on edibles or I've had some wine and a bad mm. day. If I see like like a Rothko or something on the internet or if I seek it out, it will just make me cry. And wow. my boyfriend will be like, what the fuck is going on? He will be nicer than that, but he'll kind <laughs> of, he'll be comforting me and then behind the eyes I can just sit, there'll see. There'll be like, some red flags. Yeah, they'll be like, oh my God, this woman is insane. Um, yeah, I cry at, at lots of things that's nice though it sounds like you're in touch with your feelings yeah I cry with I cry at books and I cry at stories that people tell me I was actually with your producer Stuart Laws um at Edinburgh and his friend Matthew was telling me how he got engaged and I burst into tears and everyone was like this person is (laughs) really drunk and I actually hadn't had a drink that day wow Um, that was just real emotion it was just real like oh wow that's very beautiful oh that's Um, nice I think I, I find art much more beautiful than I find comedy, even though I find comedy to be very meaningful mm. and very satisfying. And I think it kind of engages the problem-solving area of my brain, weirdly. Um, because I think, I think like, writing a joke in a way is sort of solving a problem because you come up with a premise for something and you think, how can I... Like, what is the verbal solution to, like, solving this... Yeah, it's quite kind of mathematical in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I do think it's quite mathematical. Did you go to any exhibitions while you were in Edinburgh? I didn't, you know. I just went to lots of shows and that's mm. pretty much all I did. How about you? No, I didn't. I was only up for a few days this year. 
I do mm. sometimes try and go to the National Gallery there. Mm. But, yeah, it's hard when you're in the midst of doing your show, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I find it's really hard that... Uh, what I found it hard was to have, like, the same adrenaline cycle every single day. Because mm. um, I felt like, you know, my show is at, like, 7pm. So at 4pm every day, I felt like I was starting to get a little bit antsy and then you know, then I would have this big build up and then I'd be nervous and then I'd do my show and then I'd suddenly feel uh like this huge sense of relief afterwards, but it wouldn't really I'd find it really hard to come down from that and then yeah, it was just like so relentless to do that every day for a month. Yeah. That's I always think it must be so bad for your body. Yeah, that's what I think as well. And I and I kind of I've been researching a lot of because my flatmate has um PCOS and I've kind of been wondering if I have it as well just mm. because I think my hormones are I have it really do yeah. you are you on anything for it like do you take the pill or no I'm it? on a drug for something else which is potentially linked to it but okay. yeah I don't I don't take anything especially for mm. PCOS um but I found that I don't know I just I could feel myself my body like just wasn't right by the end I didn't feel like I felt like I hadn't really truly relaxed or felt at home Mm. or un like undone for like a month I'd kind of been on for a month and that was kind of tricky but that's why now it's really nice to just be doing a terrible painting oh good should we um should we we show each other I'm not gonna rip mine off because it's still wet but Da, 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 da. Oh my god, I love it. Yours is so good. Yours is great. Yours is very um it's like so physical. Oh, thanks. Yours is so much better than mine. No, I don't think so. Yours they're, is they're exceptional. Very, um, they're different takes. I'd say your colours are a lot darker. Mine's more uh aggressive. Yeah, it is, but not in a bad way. Oh, I like the lips you. as well. The sort of um the way you've done the reflection. Oh, thank the gloss. you. It's really cool. Yeah, yours folds and there's a really nice dimension to yours that mine does not have at all. Well, I think mine's a bit too neat. I quite like how yours is like spread across the page. Oh, thank you. You wouldn't know what that is. No, but you wouldn't with mine either. You'd think maybe it's a big fire? Yeah, or like a cosmic explosion or something. Yeah, that's quite nice. That's a nice way of putting it. Have you signed it? No, but I'm going to sign it. Um... Bella, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Doing this. Thank you so much for listening. What a joy it was to chat to Bella Hull. She's absolutely brilliant. Remember to follow her on social media, not follow her home like her ex boyfriend did. Her Instagram handle and Twitter handle is at Bella Bella Hull. I'm on Twitter at Annie McTweet and on Instagram at McGrath.Annie and at McGrath.Art for my art because I also do art. Have I mentioned that? If you want to check out Charlie Smith's brilliant sculptures, he's the one I mentioned in the episode. His exhibition Wider Horizons is on at the Connorsby Gallery until the 29th of October. He is so impressive. I got to go to the private view, I know, brag, the other night and he is just incredible. Um, So I really recommend you check out his work while you still can. All right, see you next time. Goodbye. Secret Artists is a Turtle Canyon comedy production for Acast. Music by Alistair Clayton. Quickfire Round Music by Steve Dunn. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.